We're shaking everybody. This is Jonesy the Powerfather. And this week, we're going to get into Donald Trump and Stop the Steal, his reluctance to concede in the election. We're going to get into the curious case of hip hop. Why are all our rappers getting murdered? We're going to get into Will Smith and Janet Huber and the Fresh Prince reunion, the NBA draft, and a few other things. But as I always say every week, Let's start this podcast. Wanna be. Remember the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. So Saturday, Donald Trump and his team went into Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and issued a scathing order for a judge to dismiss and block Pennsylvania certifying the election. You know, Trump's campaign's futile attempt to block the certification of votes in Pennsylvania, shooting out claims of widespread irregularities and mail-in ballots was a long shot to begin with, you know? And, you know, one might expect that when seeking such a startling outcome, you know, because Trump essentially wanted them to disenfranchise almost 7 million voters. But, you know, you, you would think that, you know, a plaintiff would come, you know, formidably armed with factual proof of rampant co uh, corruption. So much that the court will have no option but to stop the certification, even though it impacts so many people. And, you know, that that has not happened. That hasn't happened yet, really. You know, he he's he's got thirty-seven court cases going. As of right now, he's thirty-four and two. See, it's getting to the point. It's been past this point. What Donald Trump needs to, you know, for the good of of this country, it needs to cut this shit out. You know, it's time. You know, and I don't give a shit. You know, look, I'm no Biden supporter by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not fucking delusional either. You know, you got a lot of people that I see on Twitter, a lot of just, you know, a, a lot of people that I know that are Trump supporters and stuff like that. You know, that, you know, that's what's up. You know, I'm I, like I said before, I'm not no big Biden cheerleader like that, you know. But it's fucking it's it's, it's time. It's time, man. Focus on winning in 2024 if you're going to run again. But what's happening is all the people that are surrounded by him that are doing this are, are one, ruining their career. You know, two, they know that this is bullshit. Like, this is bull. Like, it's, you, you got people talking about, oh, you know, you got dead people on the barrel. Oh, this is bullshit. So are we to assume that that didn't happen on, on the Republican side as well? All the corruption, if there is corruption in this election, let's just say that there is, right? It's probably a microcosm of what's needed to actually sway the election. I, I can't foresee it being, you know, and, and this is my opinion. I can't foresee it being a, 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 t a number across the country to sway swing states in a way where, you know, they cheated thousands and thousands and upon thousands of people. I would say we'll probably be, if you talk about thousands, you know, four or 5,000 people, or, you know, a thousand people, you know, I can't foresee it just being to where 
you know, millions of votes are just fraudulent. That that's bullshit. That's bullshit. So if that's the case, can we just assume that it, you know, that it happened on the other side as well? Dead people on the other side as well. Like, come on, man. Like, if you're gonna steal an election like this, why not do the why not go all the fucking way? Down the ballot across the country, Republicans have won all over the country. They have they've they picked up Senate seats. Mitch McConnell kept kept Congress. Like local elections, state elections all over the country, Republicans won a lot on election day. He just didn't win. In this mentality that it's okay for him to burn the world down just because he didn't get what he wanted is bullshit. And this mentality, like he's like the Oracle or the Messiah or something is bullshit too. He's a fucking rich guy who's never ever had any integrity ever in anything he's ever done. He's never had integrity in anything he's ever done. None of these fucking guys have ever had any integrity in anything that they've ever done, ever. These, these people are not good people. The Bidens of the world, the fucking Trumps of the world, hell, the Obamas of the world, the Bushes of the world, these people are, listen, for you to get that high, people, you have to do a lot of underhanded shit. It's very hard to stay above board throughout your political career, your business career, to become wealthy. And if you think that the will of the people is being served, you're, you're, you're delusional. But see, what we don't need is, is that we don't need a civil war. We don't need our standing in the world and our democracy being looked at in a way where it's just a complete joke. Because there, there's a price to be paid for, you know, people finding what's behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz, you know? And that, that's been happening just by short technology. You know, we've, we're seeing what's behind the curtain. And the rest of the world kind of does too. But I think there are a lot of people in this country who are very, very naive. And I think that that's a good thing. Because those of us who are, you know, with it and we understand, you know what I mean? People that, that understand that, you know, you gotta go and build your own shit. You, you can't really suck off the tit of, you know, the United States government. Those of us who understand that, you know, the best government is no government at all. People like us, we, we're, we're all right, no matter what happens. But you have some so many people who have prop Donald Trump up or prop the, the left up as almost like an idol. It's almost a religion at this point. And you have people who are willing to actually go to war over this shit. They're willing to tear the fabric of our country apart over this shit. See, faith is a great thing to have. I say this about, you know, whatever religion you follow, faith is really good to have. Belief structures start wars. The belief that you can totally take what a man like Donald Trump or Rudy Giuliani 
is saying at face value and to think that they wouldn't do anything that was self-serving and to think that they're fighting for the soul of our nation. You know, it was some guy that was on Rush Limbaugh that was literally in tears. This guy was in tears like, bro, come on, man. You know, whether Trump or Biden is in office, eventually we will we will prevail as a people. You know what I mean? And I want I want you all to know that. Like we will prevail no matter what. We'll just have to adjust, you know? But it's gonna to be tough going forward, no matter who's in office. There's a lot of things that we are faced with. You know, we're faced with you know, the coronavirus and how people are reacting to it and what's happening to people. You know, because it's 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 very um It's, it's very, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for the words about what's going on, you know, because I know people who have died from the virus and I know people who have gotten very, very sick. And on the other hand, I know people who has had zero to little effect to them. And I think that the fear that people are having is that one, people fear the unknown, you know, you don't know how it's going to really react to you. But you know, that's how it is with any in, any sickness. You know, there's some people who have the flu and, you know, they go through it and, you know, they're fine. And you have other people that die from it. I think that this virus, you know, you know, people put up facts and alternative facts and, you know, on either side of the argument. The problem is, is that the approach to the way that this is being rolled out and dealt with is is the issue. Because the one thing about 9-11, if, if you could remember back, is we, you know, people were terrified. You know, people just wanted to feel safe. So America locked down and America tightened everything. And there hasn't been anything of that magnitude since then. But what the United States government did was they used that fear to take away your rights from you willingly. So now every time you go onto a fucking website, you got to sign this big disclaimer where you could be fucking giving away your firstborn child. Nobody reads that shit all the way to the end. You know, for you to get on a plane, you got to get felt up and molested and take your shoes off to get on a plane, you know, and they're constantly in your life. You got an Amazon Alexa, an Echo, all of this shit, all of this stuff. They use your, your driver's license to, to, to do all of this bullshit and dig into your life. And it's just, if you give the government an inch, they're gonna take a mile. And that's the thing that's alarming to me about all of this. You know, coronavirus aside, that they're gonna use this vaccine, they're gonna use the rollout of it, they're gonna use the the technology on our phones and everywhere to prevent us from just living our lives. And it's happening now. And, and, you know, you get places like California where Gavin Newsom can have this big sprawling party with no one would mask indoors, but everyone else has to be inside. Everybody else has to be on a curfew. And it's like attitude reflects leadership, right? So what, what, what Americans don't understand is, is that we're the ones who pay the collateral damage for all these rules. Rules and regulations and laws are, are, are for the common folk. 
people with money don't have to worry about that. I see pictures of the the Kardashians on a private island, and God bless them, they got the money. They're in a private island with 40 people celebrating a party, running around, chilling. So it doesn't affect them. They do what the fuck they want. People would, would I'm, I mean, I'm not talking about people who are financially stable. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about people who are, who are fucking rich. They do what they want. They get on a private plane. They, they do what they want. They don't have to worry about all this shit. They don't have to worry about the problems of the rest of the world like you do. So, the, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to use common sense in situations like this because the powers that be like to use a one-size-fits-all policy as opposed to actually attacking the crux of the problem. Do I have the um, the answers to how we're going to get out of this pandemic? No, I don't. But what I will say is, is this. Part of the part of the, the problem why this is so widespread are two things. It's one. When Trump wanted to close the borders, everybody called him a racist. Should have let him close the borders. And the mistake that Donald Trump made was pulling out, you know, the pandemic response team and trying to cut back and trying to undo things that President Obama did. He cut off his nose to spite his face. See, you can't govern from a from a place of sheer arrogance. You just can't. No one knows it all. No one's always right. And I just don't like this whole narrative that this man is always right. And if you're not totally lock and step with everything he does, that you're an idiot or you're a snowflake. Or, you know, like like since when did this guy become the, you know, <laughs> when did this guy become Albert Einstein? Like when did this guy become this person who is beyond reproach? Like when? Look, I don't, the one thing that I don't support about Biden is that I, what I know is, is that he's an old school neocon, man. He's, he's cut from that cloth and we're going to be in, in and out of every war. And, and the problem with wars are, is that young men and poor men pay the price for wars of rich old men. Middle-class kids pay the, pay the price for that shit. You know, you know I, have, I have nephews, man. I have daughters who are young, and, they, you know, I want them to have a future. I don't want them to go over there and get damaged and get fucking blown away going to war for nothing. And I can feel it coming, man. I can feel it coming, and and... It's just like, man, I said this a long time ago. I'm going to say it again, man. This is the best we could do, man. Is this the best? Is this the best and the brightest that we can bring to lead our country? I mean, is it? Because right now, they got me wanting to run for office. Y'all never, ever, ever bought into politics in that way. But it's just to the point where, like, yo, when can we get somebody who actually gives a fuck about people and not money and the commodity that is human beings when are we gonna get people who are gonna govern us in a way where they don't treat us all like cattle and they treat us like people see politics from my perspective has been a slippery slope for me 
because I always try to look at every side of everything. And, and it's like, oh, you're like, oh, well, this guy isn't fucking uh, saying anything. So fuck this guy. He's not saying exactly what I want to hear. So fuck this guy. And that's not the case. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to play you a clip. Like people think that, you know, you know, and, and listen, the, the, I by no means am, am, am saying that, you know, we, we're going to be out of the woods either way. You know what I'm saying? But what I am saying is, is that I've, I've watched and seen the president of the United States undermine our entire system over the last few weeks. And to me, it's quite shameful. And it's, it's, it's to the point where, listen, man, you lost, retool, and rerun in 2024. Because it's not a, a fucking secret that the last time you won the election that there were more people in this country who were against you than that were for you. That's a fact. You lost a popular vote by three and a half million votes. And now you lost it again in the states you needed it. But the difference is, is that, hey, let Joe Biden get in there, do what he do. And when he fall on his face, you attack him like you used to do Obama. And you already got 75 million people who support you now. And now next time it'll take about 80 million people to support you and you'll win. You can get back in there and do what you do. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, not to talk in circles, but you know, we're going to get off of this and get on to some lighter things, man, because, you know, in season two of the Waste of Talent podcast, man, we're going to make sure that we, that we, you know, we ride, we ride all of the, the 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 current trends, and you know, we keep this thing moving more cohesively, man. We don't get sucked up into these politics too fucking much. There's a big world out here. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of information out here, and you know, politics has become so sewn into the fabric of American popular culture that you can't even avoid it. You know, you got you know every rapper and actor giving a little piece on what goes on when they don't understand the full crux of what goes on because they're not really a part of American life. They're in their own neither world. And it's like, y'all got a lot of family and friends who voted on both sides of the aisle, but you know, for the people who voted for Trump and you know, a lot of military people who served, you know what I mean? I've heard all of them to, to a man say, you know, sir, please step down honorably, you know, and don't, fan the flames of division you know listen uh, like me listen i've attacked biden since he ran i don't really like joe biden i'm not a you know i'm not a fan of the guy but you know as as a president but it is what it is and for the good of the nation you know the good of the nation should come above all else instead of everybody pouting and trying to fucking reinvent the wheel because the problem with Trump getting the, the the election overturned is, is that what's stopping him from doing that again? See what you, people say, well, you know, he can only have two terms, but the thing is if you can overturn an, uh, an entire election all over the country in all of these different states, if, if it was even possible, right? And it might be, whatever, let's see how it all works out. But if you can totally undo the way things have been done for for over 200 years if you can do that then you can you can you're gonna accomplish anything you can give it a term limit you could do all of the shit you want to do so now essentially you have a monarchy now 
And that's not what this country is built on, man. It's just not. I'm sorry. I anybody who claims to love this country and claim to love democracy and, you know, free enterprise and, and capitalism and all these things that you love that, you know, America represents, you cannot tell me that it's okay to represent this. You know, I'm sorry. So, you know, we're going to move along, y'all. And uh, I'm going to hit you guys with a little audio. You know, the thing I find funny about all of this, you know, corruption shit, is black voters have been complaining about local government corruption for years. Gerrymandering, changing the rules and all of that shit. Local government corruption. And y'all always said it was in your head. No one's doing that. That's not true. This is a fair election and there's no disenfranchisement of black voters. And now you want allies? Get the fuck out of here, man. Nobody trying to hear that shit, bro. Nobody's trying to hear this shit. Listen to me. A third of all eligible voters don't vote. And nobody talks about why. You know, maybe if we had better options and, 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 and people felt like, you know, their freedom would be restored by a candidate, people would actually turn out. Just something to look into. But but to, to tie this up in a neat little bow, whatever happens, happens. Just keep your sanity. Don't tear the fucking country apart. Keep your sanity and deal with what comes with all of this shit. Because we don't know how this is all going to go. But what we don't need on top of all this bullshit is total anarchy. But switching speeds here, we're going to get into some entertainment news. You know, um, after 30 years, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air has turned 30. You know, HBO Max, they had a, um, a reunion, you know, um, you know, after this segment, I'll throw some audio up from it. But the main uh, crux of what happened, it was a dope reunion. It was cool seeing all of the cast back together you know, funny little stories and stuff like that about Will and, and, and you know, the, the kids on there. But the, the main thing that I took from that special was the reunion of the original Aunt Viv and Will Smith. And, you know, Janet Huber talked about, you know, why she's been so critical of Will over the years and, you know, what exactly happened to her and how hard she's had it since then. And, you know, it, it's, it was really, really eye-opening. And, you know, I thought it was dope for Will Smith, you know, once again, to handle things exceptionally, for him to be as rich and as famous, as powerful as he is, for him to take that level of um, criticism in his face and deal with it and be gracious enough to bring her back on and, you know, to, to really hear her out. People don't understand when you're as famous as a guy like Will Smith, you're insulated from a lot of shit. So when all this was going on, only thing he was hearing is that she was talking shit about him. He probably had no idea all of the things she's going over, going through over the years. And, you know, it, you know, it was, it was dope to see, you know what I mean? It kind of sucked that, you know, uncle Phil passed 
me, you know, because I would have really have liked to see them do like a really like not a reboot, but just do like one or two episodes or something to see how it is with them as adults, because the reboots are kind of annoying. But the only one that I've seen that's really worked is the Roseanne reboot. It just seems like they even with Roseanne off the show, seems like the show kind of pretty much took off where it left off. And, you know, they just added some characters and, you know, I guess the world wants to see that. But, you know, the Fresh Prince one was dope, man. I, you know, it was very, very compelling, very, very interesting. You know, if, if you get a chance, check that out on HBO Max. But, um, you know, switching speeds, they're trying to, um, they're trying to like do a shift on television now because I think that since we've had so much reality TV over the years, people have lost track of of developing original content. And I think there's a shift back to developing original content. The only thing about it is, is that with streaming, I think it's, I don't think that it's easy for them to quantify how they can monetize all of this programming. You know, so it's going to be interesting going forward to see the kind of programming that they put on television. But, uh, you know, moving along, there were, in the last past two weeks, two deaths of, uh, you know, the rapper King Vaughn, Chicago drill rapper, uh, you know, was on fire coming up, was going to be, you know, one of the leaders of the culture. He, he got murdered in Atlanta after, you know, a fight outside of a strip club with the rival rapper and the rival crew. And, you know, Mo3, um, Lil Boosie's artist, got shot down in Dallas. Lil Boosie himself afterwards got shot in the leg. And uh, he has diabetes real bad. Prayers up to that brother, man, because he has diabetes real bad. So when you get shot, you never know, you know, he could possibly lose a leg. You know, there were rumors that he did, but they, they said it was false. And Benny the Butcher from Griselda, you know, I, and I fuck with them heavy. I, li- I like the Griselda crew. You know, they rap like dudes from the 90s, the Buffalo Cats. Benny the Butcher got shot down in Houston. And, and it's it's becoming, it's, it's becoming to be, being a rapper is one of the most hazardous jobs in America. You know, like over the last few years, it's, it's been a myriad of rappers that have been shot and killed. And, and it's like, I, you know, I, I don't understand when it became to where a fist fight is a fucking death sentence. You know, rappers just lost in 2010. We're not going to go back, you know, any further. We're going to talk about 2020. Pop Smoke was shot and killed. King, 20 years old. King Vaughn, 26, shot and killed. Mo3, 28, shot and killed. Huey, 31, shot and killed. FBG Duck, who I've never heard of, but he was shot and killed. Lil Marlo, 30, shot and killed. Fifth War Webby, he wasn't shot and killed. He died of a heart attack. Fred the Godson died this year. He was he was nasty too. You know, rest in peace to that brother. KJ Baller, shot and killed. P Mac, shot and killed. So listen, these, these see. And this is the crazy shit to me. You have people that are on social media. They putting a little black square up. They miss Black Lives Matter. This is bullshit. Oh, my God. But nobody says nothing about this shit. Nobody says nothing about this. Nobody. It's just okay for us to kill each other. That's fine. Nobody has a problem with that. Black lives don't matter when we're murdering each other, right? 
People say, oh, well, you know, people get shot next to each other all the time. You know that you normally crimes are committed against the people that live around you. Nah, that's bullshit, bro. It's not cool for motherfuckers to get killed over trivial shit and for our community to just accept that shit. That's not cool, man. So what I want is, I want to tell y'all to keep that same energy, man. If you're going to be out here marching in the streets, wearing T-shirts, putting signs on your, your lawn and arguing with motherfuckers in chat rooms, I want that same energy when the next rapper gets killed over a fucking fist fight. Like, when did it become a death sentence to not just shoot a fade? Well, King Von, they were shooting a fade. Homeboy was losing and his man killed him. The, 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 the dude he's fighting, his man's killed him and think that he gonna get off of self-defense. That's not self-defense, motherfucker. That ain't so, it's a fucking fist fight and y'all motherfuckers had bodyguards around you with shit. Look, man, I want y'all to keep that same energy when they knocking on your door and they making you take that fucking vaccine. I want you to keep that same energy when they're telling you, you can't get on a plane or you can't go to work. Keep that same energy, bro. Keep all that revolutionary spirit then. And now you got these motherfuckers from Black Lives Matter trying to get a seat at the table with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That's not gonna happen. They use, like Jason Whitlock said with Hotep, they use your credit card already, man. They maxed it out. They got what they want. They elected. Now they don't need you no more, man. That Black Lives Matter griff is a rap. That swagger's a rap. That swagger is a rap. You understand me? Y'all made Trump the boogeyman for four years where he wasn't really doing shit to black folks. Not that he really didn't do much to us. I mean, yo, yeah, his dude is an, his dude an asshole. Yeah, he's an asshole. But has he really done anything to us? Nope. But guess what? Don't take that. Let, let you be on food stamps or EBT. And that's not Jermaine, it's just black folks. But I'm just saying, let you be on EBT or food stamps. Let's see if you get your money when that vaccine roll out. Yeah, you ain't think about that, did you? You ain't think about that, did you? Let's see. Let, let, let's see if you get that fucking money. Let's see if you get that unemployment check. Yeah, your shit, shit, shit about to change around here. Shit about to change in America. Guess what? You asked for it. So let me tell you something, man. I want every single one of y'all, next time a brother get murdered in your neighborhood, I want you to keep that same energy you have when a policeman shoot him. Then maybe shit might change. See, you can't expect respect from other races or from other entities if you don't respect yourself. How could you expect for your life to matter when it don't matter to you, essentially? And see, I could say this, man. See, I could say this because I live in this community, man. I'm not no, 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 no put together sucker, man. I'm not no dude who, you know, hasn't lived through certain things. You have to respect yourself before anyone would respect you. As my mom always told me. So I want y'all to keep that same fucking energy, man. But you know, look, man. You know, we're we going to move along, man. But, you know, not to be preachy on this season, man, but that shit needs to be said. 
what we need, yo, we need to start holding ourselves accountable, man, and look to police and govern our own community. See, everybody always looking for this fucking savior, man. That nobody's coming to save us. Ain't no problem. You think, Apollo, I said last time on the, on the last podcast, man, if you think you could vote your way out of hell, you're fucking wrong. You can't vote your way out of hell, man. You got to pull yourself out of that shit yourself by getting skills and bartering goods and services, owning your own business, being master of your own destiny, being forever present in your own life, being forever present. Paying attention, not getting lulled into the traps of sitting around and smoking and drinking and fucking and doing the wrong shit. So what I will tell y'all to end this segment up is keep that same energy when all this shit is happening in your neighborhood and it's a person who looks just like you doing it. Yeah, so it was a, uh, another versus battle, Gucci versus um, Gucci Mane versus Jeezy, and uh, this is one of the most uh, heated rap rivalries in the history of hip hop. You, you know, it, it really has been, and yeah, so um, there was the uh, Gucci Mane versus Young Jeezy battle. And uh, on verses, man, and it was crazy. It was one of the most tense, highly contested battles, man, on verses since they started all this. You know, verses has kind of been like the center of the universe in the hip hop world because of the pandemic. And there, you know, no concerts and award shows are really fucking weak. So, you know, we all tune in, but Gucci and Jeezy has been one of those beefs that's a real beef. You know, you got guys who go back and forth on record and then, you know, They'll be cool, but this beef over the years has been violent. You know, people have gotten killed over it, and I, I thought it was a bad idea initially, but then I thought to myself, these guys are like 40 years old at this point. They probably sat down and hashed it out like the WWF. So when he announced it, I'm thinking like, you know, Jeezy was really, really business-like, and you know, he said, you know, it's only right, you know, we got to do it, da, 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 da. You know, at, you know, and Gucci was calling him the snow cone, and being real, real disrespectful. And I'm like, oh man, this is, how they gonna sit in the same room and do this shit, right? So, you know, since grabbing the public's attention, you know, by collaborating with another up and coming rapper, you know, Jay Jenkins, Gucci has released, Jay Jenkins being Young Jeezy, that's like their first kind of hit together. And then things went awry after that. But Gucci has released 30, 13 studio albums and over 75 mixtapes. You know, to me, Gucci Mane is the, the, the father to all of these mumble rappers. All of these mumble rappers, they get their, their image and their look from Lil Wayne with the tattoos and the dreads and the shirt off and tattoos on the face and all that shit. They, they get all of that from Wayne. But when it comes to their rhyme cadence and, you know, just kind of like the chanting, like we... Somewhere along the line, like lyrical content was kind of lost, you know, in the South. And I'm not trying to be a hater or nothing to Southern rappers or nothing like that. But all of these young rappers now, Gucci Mane is their father, you know. But, uh, you know, so they decided to do this. This has been a big beef. And I'm thinking like, yo, somebody going to get shot. And, man, let me tell you something, man. 
it was definitely, 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 you know, a miracle that nobody got hurt. Like, I remember back in the day, man, when the two teamed up for So Icy, everyone loved the song, but there was a dispute over which artist owned the song. Since Gucci debut album came out a month earlier than Jeezy's first studio album, Gucci, you know, included on his release. Jeezy responded to him by recording Stay Strat, which contained the lines, niggas talking all tough, steady hiding this shit. Even his own mama know Roger Davis is a bitch. To, to be honest, nigga, there's nothing Gucci about you. You pussy nigga, everything's Gucci about you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the last three minutes of this song is basically Jeezy going on an extended rant, including offering a $10,000 bounty for Gucci Mane's head and his icy necklace. Gucci responded by calling Jeezy a fake on round one. And so it begins. But, you know, everybody's like, oh, so it's a rap beef. But nah, bro, <laughs> it definitely, definitely was not a rap beef. A few weeks later, one of Jeezy's homeboys, Henry Lee Clark, allegedly broke into Gucci Mane's home and he was killed. Gucci Mane turned himself into authorities, but eventually beat the case when the prosecutor dropped the charge because of lack of evidence. You know, after doing time for separate assault charges, Gucci teamed up with frequent Jeezy collaborator DJ Drama and Jeezy's former manager, K Costa, released The State vs. Roger Davis, Gucci's most successful album. Aside from the dead guy, it still sounds like a rap beef, right? Nah. <laughs> nah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. This is not a fucking rap beef. At all, man. But uh, anyway, there were more dishes. The two called the truce and reportedly made a few things together. And the homies got into a fight in the clothing store. So then there was more beef. And they weren't shy about the disdain for each other. Jeezy started wearing suits. Gucci got married. You know, this is years and years later now. We, we, we coming into now. You know, Gucci got married and both started acting like adults. You know, after initially agreeing to the battle with T.I., Jeezy decided to go head to head with his nemesis. And since they agreed, neither had indicated that this beef is dead. But they haven't indicated that, you know, it's not dead. I know that sounds stupid, but <laughs> so now, you know, we had to look into how they were gonna go about this shit. And the whole time, man, Jeezy dropped, Jiguchi dropped a diss track about him in his face and talking super greasy. You know, we gonna get some of the audio up of it. Just, it, it was crazy, man. But you know, the whole time you saw the people in the chat room of the verses talking about, yo, I don't feel safe right now. Somebody gonna get shot. You know, all kinds of shit. But, you know, the, the 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 good thing was they had it in Magic City, a landmark down in Atlanta, a strip club, whatever. They're right by each other. But you know the crazy thing, though? They were able to come together. They were able to do the beef, you know, versus thing. Everybody had a good time. It was even though it was the most tense one I've seen. And then at the end, they performed so icy together. And it seemed like they, you know, they pieced it up. So it was real, real WWF-ish. But yeah, man, it was thoroughly entertaining. I can't wait to see the next versus battle. So yeah, we're gonna move right along, man, into Ask the Pie Father. Uh, and we'll be right back after some beats. 
So yeah, on Wednesday, November 18th, man, we had the NBA draft. And um, you know, me being a New York Knicks fan, I am very, very happy with the player that we got. But you know, we're gonna go over the uh the NBA draft starting from you know the first pick. We just gonna do the lottery picks, man, because you know, a lot of these guys from like, you know, fucking Yugoslavia and all that shit. I don't know where the fuck these, you know, <laughs> we don't know who these kids are. So I'm just gonna go into, you know you know, the actual draft results, you know. Um, the first pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves was Anthony Edwards out of uh, Georgia. You know, he's the most highly touted player to come out of Georgia. He's only a freshman, too. You know, a lot of these kids now, it's, it's crazy because they have to go to college for one year. But a lot of these players, they don't really have any footage in college, it's just, and especially like last year because COVID stopped everything. And they, you know, it's like now it's almost like a um a mark against them if they play more than one year in college, which is which is unbelievable. But you know, uh the, the you know, the number one pick, man, Anthony Edwards, you know, this kid, you know, is the most highly touted player to go to the University of Georgia since Dominique Wilkins. You know, so he's the number one pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And um uh, the second pick was a was a kid out of Memphis who was coached in high school and in college by um Anthony Penny Hardaway, you know, of Orlando Magic fame, you know, one of the best players of the 90s, one of my favorite players of all time, coached him at Memphis, University of Memphis, seven foot one center, uh James Wiseman. He went to the um Golden State Warriors, man. So the rich get richer with that one. And the third pick, and probably the most polarizing and compelling pick of the draft, was the youngest ball brother. You know, shout out to LeVar Ball, man. You know, you can say what you want about him. He talk a whole lot of shit. We know he's a shameless promoter. But let me tell you something, man. I want him to get the same credit that, you know, um, Archie and Olivia Manning get, you know, with their with their boys. And Shannon Sharp said this, and I'm a pimp on top of it, man. You know, LeVar Ball deserves a hell of a lot of credit, man, for what he's done with his boys, man. He has two, it's unprecedented, man. He has two of his sons are freaking top three picks in the NBA draft. It's amazing, man. He did an amazing job with his boys. He got another, his, his middle boy right now was in the, the G League, ready to be called up by the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, you know, I mean, man, it's, he, he's, he's just done an amazing job with his boys, man. You can say what you want about him. I'm, I'm sure he's made some mistakes. He's, you know, with Lonzo, you know, but let me tell you something, man. He did an amazing job. With, with with his boys, man. And now, you know, his his youngest son seems to have the most talent. And, you know, he's going down there with the Charlotte Hornets. And we all know who the owner of the Charlotte Hornets is, the GOAT, Michael Jordan. And, you know, it's not like Michael Jordan's gonna be coaching him or anything like that, but just being around that greatness and having access with that level of greatness. And I'm sure Michael Jordan definitely has a vested interest in giving him the tools and the knowledge of what he needs and how he needs to prepare to be great. Let me tell you something, man. It couldn't have been a better situation for him because he's not in a huge media market. He has access to Michael Jordan. And, you know, being with the Charlotte Hornets, that was one of those brands that was was ready to take off when um, Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning and Kendall Gill and Muggsy Bowes and all of them were down there back in the 90s, you know? So, it, it you know, you can make it box office in North Carolina, even though it's the Bible Belt, they love their basketball down there. and. 
you know, if he could be a superstar player, they already have some pieces in place, man. It'd be great to see that shit happen, you know? Uh, so after that, you know, the fourth pick of the draft, you know, Chicago Bulls were kind of reaching, you know? So, you know, Chicago Bulls was kind of reaching, man. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I forget the kid's name, Williams. You know, the kid, the Chicago Bulls took, you know, I really haven't seen him play because last year wasn't any college basketball. You know, it, it just was crazy. You know, the kid, the kid Chicago took, you know, from what I understand, he's a swing man. And, you know, he has a, um, a lot of upside, but, you know, it's not a lot of tape on any of these guys. You know, it's not a lot of, it's not a lot of tape on a lot of these dudes, man. And um, it's just, it's kind of hard to, to, you know, they're giving people draft grades and everything. The guy that I saw the most was Obi Toppin. And that was the New York Knicks pick down at you know, number eight. And nobody thought he was going to fall that far. You know, but we're gonna get in. We're gonna get, you know, in into that pick. But uh, you know, kid Patrick Williams from Florida State, man. I, I didn't want to, you know, jump over him. I, I don't know. They kind of reached. I saw. I only thing I saw him is tape. You know, the the kid Isaac um, Okoro from Auburn is is a man child. I saw a lot of him. Uh, the kid Onika and Gakwe, the Hawks took again because the, the you know the Hawks was up there in the draft lottery. He's a center. You know, they needed a big man. Uh, the Pistons had a, a kid, um, uh, Killian Hayes. You know, I don't know, you know, I haven't really seen much of that kid. You know, it's been rough, man. You know, I I wanted I wanted to talk about the draft because, you know, I'm a sports fan and everything, but it was rough because there was like little to no college basketball last year. It was just really, really hard to keep up on these guys. So the Pistons picked seventh. And the Knicks took Obi Toppin from Dayton. Let me tell you something, man. I This is the guy that I wanted to come to Madison Square Garden. It's been a long time since the Garden has had an exciting player like this kid. He's a high flyer. He gets up. He's a, you know, he's a like kind of a swing man, small forward, power forward. He can shoot. He fills the floor. Only thing about him to knock on him now, who would ever thought being 22 years old would be a knock? But everybody's saying, well, this guy's coming out at 22. Why do you stay so long in college? But I think the Knicks need an athletic guy like this that's coming into the league. That's a finished product. So hopefully he moves the needle in the garden, you know. And who knows how that's going to go next year with COVID-19 and whether they're going to have fans. I mean, the league is not going to be able to not have fans. The Wizards took a kid from Tel Aviv, uh, Maccabi. Uh, the Suns took Jalen Smith, a forward out of Maryland. Spurs took Devin Vassell, who's a nice, nice, nice shifty guard. I like him. And the kid that a lot of people wanted the Knicks to take was uh, from Iowa State, Tyrese Halliburton. Now he's a he's he's a he's a nice guard. He's about six five, uh, shifty, can pass. I mean, an excellent off the chart passer. I mean, the only person in the, in the draft that could probably is a that's a more creative and better passer than Halliburton is Lamelo Ball. But um, Carol Lewis went to Alabama. Um, Got drafted by the Pelicans as a guard. So that's a guy that they compare with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and all of them down there. They got a nice little squad going down there. Uh, Aaron Naismith from Vanderbilt uh, is going to the Celtics. And uh, the Magic took Greg Anthony's son, Cole Anthony, out of North Carolina. 
who's going to be a nice little guard. Uh, the Pistons get Isaiah Stewart from Washington. The Nets get... I can't even pronounce this kid's name. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't even go start. <laughs> Is this Pokorowski or whatever from the Thunder? The, the, the Thunder actually get him. It was the Nets pick. But I guess, you know, I guess the, the trade that they had going. The Mavericks took Josh Green from Arizona. I watched that kid play. He's a, he's, he's a legitimate NBA talent, man. The Mavericks definitely got better. The Pistons got Sadiq Bey from the, the, the trade they did with the 76ers from Villanova. Sadiq Bey is nice. He's, he's, he's a guy that's probably going to, you know, he's not going to start right off the bat, but he's, he, he'd probably be starting by the middle of the season. Uh, Precious Achua, the forward for the Miami Heat, is a kid I never heard of, never saw any tape on, so I have no idea. But, you know, Pat Riley normally drafts well. Uh, the 76ers from the Thunder got uh, Tyrese Maxey, guard from Kentucky. I've watched a lot of him. He can play. Uh, the Denver Nuggets from the Rockets got Zeke Nanji, a kid from Arizona. Never saw him play. And the Timberwolves from the Jazz got Leandro Bolmaro, a guard from Barcelona, ready-made product kid played the pro league real young kid but he's nice rj hampton rj hampton was a kid that was one of the top prospects and elected not to go to college and he played over in new zealand in the pro league until he could have that one year at an nba and the nuggets got him i think this kid could be the steal of the draft besides Lamelo, because he he's got a game he's played in a professional league he's ready to go and uh you know and the Knicks from the Nuggets, we got Emmanuel quickly from Kentucky, man. We needed a guard. I'm glad we filled that that void. So let's go. You know, but you know, that that's it. I'm not gonna get to the rest of the uh the first round of NBA draft because these guys, you know, I was really supposed to just get into the lottery, but I really just want to talk about the New York Knicks. I'm I'm not gonna lie. This isn't the sports podcast, so we touching on it right now. But uh yeah, man, OB Toppin is gonna bring a lot of excitement to the garden if the fans can get back. You know, if they can ever figure out how they're going to do that, you know, change, I guess, change the ventilation system in there, you know, and, and do whatever they got to do. They're going to be doing health passports or some shit like that. I don't know. You know, I seen on Ticketmaster, they're going to start requiring current COVID tests to buy tickets and, you know, all of this stuff. So, man, it's a brave new world we're in, man. But the thing people don't realize, man, is that all those dystopian novels you read growing up, you thought that there's no possible way it was ever going to happen in our, our society, man. And it's happening right before our eyes, man. This shit is animal farm, man. Like the shit that happened with Gavin Newsom, with him having curfews and lockdowns and shit, and he's out with his family chilling and doing what he wants to do. That's, that's, that is the exact definition of what happened in the book Animal Farm, where the pigs were inside eating and were able to eat inside and all the other animals weren't allowed to. Telling you, man. They say art imitates life, but right now life is imitating art. It really is, man. You know, it's just, it's sad. You know, you can't even go to a ball game without you know some form of you know. And I, look, I'm not. I understand the situation is what it is, man. But it's just it's 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 a lot, man. And there's no end in sight. And let's see if everybody really pays attention to how Mr. Biden is going to handle all of this. And then if it's a way where you don't like, do you have the stones to stand up for it? Do you got the stones to stand up for it? Or are you just going to take it lying down because the orange boogeyman is going? <laughs>
Yeah, man. So, um, you know, that, that wraps up that NBA draft, <laughs> the NBA draft coverage. You know, we, you know, we're going to really separate the sports going forward and uh, we're going to keep it to current events on a waste of talent podcast this season, but uh, we're developing a sports show, like I said before, and, and that should be starting in December. You know, um, do me a favor, you know, check us out on the Brown Paper Bag podcast. My man Solomon and my man Corey, you know, we on there, man. Me, my man Julian, we had the men's panel. Uh, that's out on YouTube. Check that out. Uh, but, uh, you know, getting back to things, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that because of all the technology we got out there, people will see exactly what's going on. No matter who's the president, no matter who's in office, I'm hopeful that people will call out the hypocrisy. You know, the longer people are, are, are getting their freedoms taken from them, you know, the longer people are in the house, the longer people are seeing wars started that weren't started. I'm, I'm hopeful that people will wake the fuck up, you know, and realize that this shit is not about a, a, polit- a political ideology or a side of the aisle or, you know, this dogma that we got out here in the media is is more so about what's decent and what's right. It was real, you know what I mean? And I hope that you know, going forward, no matter how this thing plays out, that we will all tune in and unite, you know what I mean? Because the country is not this, 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 this like separate entity from us. We are the company, we are the country. This society and what this society represents is, is us as a whole. So, you know, I hope everybody realizes that in the upcoming years, man, because things the way they're currently constituted are, are looking very bleak. But you know what? We can change. I'd like to thank everybody this week for listening to the Waste of Talent podcast. We're going to bring this thing to a close for this week. I'll need y'all to be on the lookout for the John Core Project. Uh, it's a lifestyle blog that I've started with a few friends of mine. Uh, me, Rita. Moza, Chad, Anthony Bailey, Chad Lemoyne from Aquarian Anarchy, the host and extraordinaire of that. And uh, we have a show that comes on every Monday on YouTube at 9 p.m. with Hotep Jesus, uh, the Jean Core Project. Be on the lookout for that. I'm also going to be on Blue Collar Intellectual this week with my man Julian. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at Pod Wasted. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And, uh, you know, listen, we out this week. Wasted Talent. We'll be back. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing two episodes because, you know, we've been behind, but we're back at it with season two. So thank you guys for listening.